Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I'm here on this podcast, we're biting butts, we're biting ears. And I'm Avsenetsky, and between you and me, my condolences are not as deep as the average person's. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 12, Episode 3, Vertical Drop, Horizontal Tug, which originally aired on February 18th, 2024. Uh, we were speculating vertical drop, horizontal tug, maybe it was sexual in nature. It turns out to be golf in nature, which might even be more important to Larry than sex at this point in his life. Um, I, I'm not a golfer, so I don't know, but it sort of surprises me that at this point in his career, Larry would still be uh, learning new go- uh, golf tips. I feel like if there were any golf tips, he would have uh, acquired them already. Um, I think golf is a very complicated and nuanced game. Um, I think it's what's more unlikely is that just by observing this move, he's able sure. to immediately implement it into his game and like add 50 yards to his stroke. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that. But overall, very exciting to uh, be back in L.A., back with so many of our core characters. So this was an episode I had a lot of fun and I'm ready to dive in if you are. Yeah, I just um, wanted to mention I did see online this week. Um, I know we talked last week about how uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had uh, made some news criticizing mm. yes. Kirby Enthusiasm. And I, I saw that the showrunner, Jeff Schaefer, responded to her. Mm. He said that he was thrilled that Marjorie Taylor Greene did not like it. Very excited that that festering bottle blonde postulate dangling off the backside of the House of Representatives was unhappy with it. <laughs> I love that she called us commies when she's denying aid to Ukraine. That would be the height of irony or cynicism if she knew what those words meant. I guess all I can really say is I wish we could show her our collective scrotum and make her go away. <laughs> yeah, that's a very successful move in this episode. Uh, when you show someone your scrotum, that's they the move. Yeah, they immediately accept whatever you want them to do. Very interesting. It's, it's just so distracting. Yeah, they, yeah. They can't. Uh, they can't go on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you overall. This was very much felt like a, a throwback episode in a lot of ways. Um, it's just a typical classic Curb. Um, after like the like the traveling episodes, Curb on the Road in Atlanta the last couple of day, like the last couple episodes. Um, having everyone back in LA, the whole gang back together. We got Cheryl, we got Ted, we got Susie, we got Jeff, we got Leon. We got Irma. We got every, we got everyone that's part of the core group at this point. We got Richard Lewis. It's really, I think, a very fun episode. Um, I think, um, to me, definitively the best episode of the season so far. Um, and I'm really excited to jump in and talk about it. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler alert for our ratings, but I think I agree yeah, with okay. you. We'll have to find out. All right, let's jump in. Yeah, let's jump in. <laughs> Thank you. 
So we start out returning from Atlanta. We're at the airport. And when Larry, Jeff, Susan, and Leon lands, they are very surprised that Larry seems to be recognized by a lot of people. A lot of people are calling out to Larry, congratulating him, thanking him. This is sort of a uh, a hero's homecoming for Larry back in L.A. Mm-hmm. And do you notice, Jeff, it seems he's done with coloring his hair. I guess he used up all the bottles. Oh, is that the, true? Uh, I didn't even I didn't even notice that. That's funny. Yeah, his hair's back to the uh, the gray. Awesome. That's funny. Yeah. Um, he didn't even like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even bump into Sienna Miller. Yeah. Who is even she is starstruck by Larry. Yeah. She's getting a little bit flirty. And she refers to this little bumping of theirs as Bashert. Yes. Which um, is Curb got a little, you know, a little quickly going back to the well on the Bashert card. Um, well, it's interesting. Bashert only gets one pretty, though. It only gets one pretty. Um, it was used by John Hamm at the oh, yes, premiere yes, last yes, year. Yes, that's at true. At Arthur Brooks. Was it at his funeral? or there was At, at, the, at the pre-death funeral. At the fake yeah. funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, where like John Hamm just like throws in Yiddish words that like don't really, yeah. he doesn't really know what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. Sienna um, um, uses it more correctly here. By the way, just um, yeah. to get this out of the way, from a Ted Dancing Club perspective. I would just stop with the Ted Dance. <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. You know how you know that Sienna Miller is not in the Ted Dancing Club? Because she has to say, both for Larry's benefit and our benefit watching, I'm Sienna Miller. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a, a good indication. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I can't even really place anything that I know her from. Like, I obviously know her name. Yeah, um, exactly. She's a very beautiful same. woman. Yeah. Um, and, and I know she's. I'm sure, I'm sure a model. we'll be seeing her again. I would think, right? Because she's in yeah. it so minimally that it would be weird that she was in just for the right. She doesn't and come back. He's watching other than her. On, the well, he's watching oh, he sees her on, her on TV. TV. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. No, there, there, there's no. I mean, it would be insane if, if that's all we get of her. I'm sure that there will be another Sienna Miller experience later on this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would think, yeah, her, her contribution otherwise is very minimal. Yeah. Um, okay, so. And by the way, we do, of course, we track the pretty, pretties good on the show here on this podcast. And so worth noting that the one pretty that Sienna Miller gets for saying Beshert, that's the first one since episode seven last season when we got three pretties about ordering a lobster. And as you said, the one before that was the season uh, was um, – was um, Larry said one and John Hamm said two. Oh no, that was not for sure. That was that was season ten actually. That was the lot. Yeah, that was two times ago that we saw John Hamm as as Larry two point where they both did some pretty pretty good. So pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So Larry is very frustrated as they head home because he has this incredible opportunity that this beautiful woman Sienna Miller is interested in him, but mm. pr- the problem. The uh, the Irma in the room, as they might say, is that he's, you know, technically on paper in a relationship with Irma, even though he has no interest in her. He can't wait to extricate himself from her Sienna or no Sienna, mm, um, yeah. but especially with Sienna in the picture. Yeah. Um, and as I think and, it was Jared Jerome who said in our group chat, uh, a little bit of Marissa Tomei with George vibes here. Yeah, I mean, this is the exact storyline, right? That yeah. there's this celebrity. Well, listen, we've, knows- we've, we've all experienced this. When you're dating, you get opportunities, or when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a significant other, you get opportunities that when you're single, you never got. Yeah, I mean, it's usually not celebrity opportunities. Sure. Um, y- yes, but opportunities that you wish you would have had when you were single. 
Yeah, I, I certainly yeah. felt that way for me. I felt like uh, yeah. I, I was uh, uh, I was being told about all these attractive women who were throwing themselves at me only when I was unavailable. And when I was available, suddenly there was nobody. Yeah, I mean, even I uh, experienced that. I mean, nothing that people, yeah. I don't think anyone was like throwing themselves at me, but certainly <laughs> um, I felt like, I mean, it's probably just a combination of like when you're in a relationship, maybe you're just like exuding more confidence. You're certainly, you got that ring on like, your finger. Yeah. Lack of, you know, um, you know, lack of availability um, is attractive to certain people. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a thing that happens. And, you know, just when you're Larry David, it happens on like a much uh, grander scale. Yes, yes. So uh, I would say this. By is the way, I, I, I will I will note just in general in our in our pretty pretty good group chat that we have going on, which is a good time. But uh, so many people sending in lots of great comments all week. But it also kind of it, it devalues the postman a little bit because I feel like so many great comments from from otherwise would be post postman submitters have already been submitted to the chat. Yeah, so. send in your comments to the postman. Don't write in the chat. The chat is yeah. for well, you wait, can do whatever you want. But yeah, no, you do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but no, you wait till you. We have to let us have the first word. No yes. one should be allowed to speak about the episode. <laughs> and so if we don't we record it till a Thursday, you gotta wait yeah. four days. That's just for the rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's your problem. Um, yeah. yeah, Chester was off. Um, he was off away doing some colonizing, from mm. what I from what you've told me. And you know, I I understand colonizing can be very exhausting. Yeah, so, I was I, more. Yeah, I was sleeping when we were supposed to be podcasting multiple times. Yeah, so that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the um, well, we'll middle, return all middle, the, middle of the day podcasts. We're sharper than normal. We're very sober right. right now. So <laughs> that's t- right. tell us if you can tell the vibes are different on this episode. I'm going to turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, but yeah, I mean, listen, we'll we, we'll return all the the prepaid subscriptions that we got for mm. the promising to deliver them the episode early in the week. Don't worry. Yeah, about, you'll you'll get those back. Okay. Uh so yeah, so we have this um, homeless man um, that we see off to the side. Actually, no. First, we're just like we're just talking about bagels, right? Like they both have bagels. Yeah. They, these bagels look horrible. Uh, Leon says that they're, that it's good. Yeah. Um, I mm. mean, obviously, it's bad because the the bagels presumably from L.A. Right. Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They don't have the New York water. Get out of here. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess I guess it's possible the bagels from Atlanta. Um, and like they bought it like in the well, airport. It, think of how unfresh that's been. It's like eight hours old or whatever. Well, then maybe that's why it looks. Maybe that's why it looks terrible. Yeah, this bagel oh, looks horrible. So hold on, like, who let, would who would get? So you get your even you're, the you're, homeless should not want. This yeah, thing. you're in a, you're in a lounge in the Atlanta airport. You you get a bagel. You board your flight for six hours. You don't eat it. You get off your flight. You get off the plane. You get in a car. And then you're eating the bagel like nine ten hours later. That's bonkers. They must have bought it in the airport in LA or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, probably. But I could. I've probably been in situations where, like, I've bought stuff for the plane and I didn't eat it, and then whatever, it's just it's still food. Sure. So yeah. Just, like you eat it. Like all of a sudden you're sitting in the car on the way home. Do you're you? Like, do right, you? Do you? Do you save the portions of the airplane meals that you don't eat on the airplane? Oh my God! Obviously not. Please don't. Oh. Do <laughs> no, we do. We put them in our carry on and then we bring them home, and then we're like, no, we never end up eating them. So. You take them home with you? I'm not gonna throw it out. If if it's like, oh yes, you throw it out. No, I don't mean like the main course that you ate half of it and you reput the tin foil on. I'm saying like it's a packaged separate item, like a brownie or oh, okay. It's like a it's a it's like that one of the sides. Very... It's one of the sides. It's in its own packaging. If you didn't get to it on the on the meal uh, on okay. the you know, especially because when we, I'm flying with my kids, I got six meals. My original my original understanding of what you were saying was gonna derail this podcast. <laughs> you'd, for you'd, half half ch- you'd have to chicken. That would never happen because I don't have a lot left. Uh, excuse I me, could you uh, wrap this yeah. up for me, please? <laughs> yeah. We're going we're gonna to yeah. take this uh, fried rice and, yeah. you know, half-cooked chicken home. Yeah. Um, the, the, the worst food on airplanes, I mean, obviously I eat it to completion, but why are omelets on airplanes always so thin and dry? They're, like, um, super dry. 
Yeah, I mean, the food is always terrible. I mean, they don't even give you – this is, like, not even a thing, right? Like, this is, like, some boomer take probably. They're, like, food on an airplane? What are you talking well, about? Well, only for international flights. Yeah, yeah. If it's domestic, um, yeah. Even international flights, I feel like they don't always give you, a, like, a meal meal. Like, they'll give you, if, like, I mean, snacks. Or, like, if, you're flying you, if you're flying overseas, they're giving you full meals. Yeah? I don't know. I, I mean, in my experience. I just went to Paris, and I'm trying to remember. I don't think we got, like, a, like a hot mm. meal. Really? What like, I think flying? they gave us, like, a yogurt with, like, a piece of bread or something. Like – like I don't think we got like one of those like classic airplane meals. Oh, I don't know. I um when I fly to Israel, I get you get two full meals. You get one in the beginning and one in the end. Yeah, well, Jews you either have breakfast to and dinner or dinner. You know the order based on the time of the flight. Anyways. Yeah, but the general population I think is not as demanding for food, so um, maybe they get away with it. But um, yeah, so Larry decides he doesn't want his bagel, and he looks out the window and he sees that there's a homeless man. He's like, "All right, homeless man, you want this bagel?" Homeless man is very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited that he starts running towards the, yeah. the car to greet Larry and thank him. But Larry's like, oh, close enough, and like throws the bagel at him. And yeah, and the joke here is just that the that the homeless guy is gross. I mean, that's kind of yeah. a, not not a great joke, Larry. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's all it is. It's like he wants yeah. to be a nice guy, but like he doesn't doesn't want to get too close to him. Interact yeah. with the homeless man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more sympathetic, I could not be. Yeah. <laughs> so we get home and. We are reintroduced to Irma, um, who's been a little bit on the sideline, yeah. and they're sitting on the table. They're on, they're on their phones. Um, we don't really know what they're doing. They're just hanging out, and Irma just yells out the word fluke, mm-hmm. which immediately pisses everybody off. Larry and Leon have a conniption because, as it turns out, fluke is the wordle of the day. Yeah, and, and a, a little bit dated here. Do you know anybody who's still doing wordle here in uh, February of 2024? Um, so my wife and I will sometimes do it together. Um, just like when we're, you know, passing the time, we, we used to do it together every day. Um, so once in a while, like one of us will just be like, say like, Oh, should we play Wordle? Uh, but we don't like play it on a, anywhere close to a daily basis anymore. Yeah. My um, wife, and this seems insane and impossible to believe. And I don't really understand how it's possible. My wife only discovered Wordle fairly recently, like in the last <laughs> couple months. So now she's obsessed with it. My, my She got very into all the New York times, various, uh, word games. She plays all Did those. You know, New York Times has a daily crossword puzzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she's been doing the crossword puzzle for a while, and then she branched out into the other ones. Uh, my kids also, they, they do the Wordle at school sometimes. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of aware of Wordle marginally because of the other wet weirdos in my family. But yeah, I've not done a Wordle myself in, in many moons. So, but yeah, l- l- yeah. much about this season is a little bit dated. We've talked about, you know, the the, the, the mugshot and all oh, the mugshot was a little bit less, but the, but the whole the the georgia law you know there's a little bit of a lead time in the show and it's a little bit clear yeah i mean it's definitely noticeable but i don't think that really impacts my enjoyment of the storyline yeah no it's um, fine i think they you know the bigger they, issue they is they like nail the you, dynamic pretty well if you care about wordle you do it either like when i was doing it because i would do it at midnight or you do it when you wake up in the morning but you can't be in the middle of the afternoon like susie and then yelling at people like if you care about Wordle not to be spoiled you do it when you wake up in the morning you don't wait till like you know the end of the day um, I guess. I mean, I used to do it at night sometimes. Um, okay, but then I, if someone talked about it earlier in the day, you can't flip out at them because like, yeah, you no, have, I like, mean, eighteen hours of availability. Really, more what's more psychotic is having an in-person conversation about the word. Like, who cares? Well, like, well this is the part that's dated. But there was when it first came out, this would happen. People were sharing their information. I feel like it was all and... for me. It was like all on social media. Yeah, sure. Which which you shouldn't get spoiled on because. Social media, like Wordle designed itself in such a way that you could share your score without, without revealing the word. Yeah, no, but people would discuss the word, you know, like, oh, you know, oh, it's my starter word. I don't know. Anyway, 
if, did you ever get like, it in one? No, no, never got it. I never one. got it in one. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I also didn't have like a set starter word. I would just like start with whatever. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, Volvo, which we'll get to uh, shortly in the episode, uh, not only a great name and a great car, but would be, be a, a very, car. yeah, would be, it would be a great, um, would be a great wordle word. Cause you know, it'd be hard to, I mean, you'd probably find the A pretty quickly, maybe the L, but yeah, with the V, you, that'd be a tough one. Anytime. The double, two, the double V is, is very hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, doubles in general, right? It's always like, oh, doubles maybe are always it's a bad. double, right? That's yeah, like you have to like remind v yourself is... that, that that could be a thing. Volvo, nobody's getting in less than five, in, in, in more than five. In, nobody's getting in less than five if it's Volvo, right? Volvo's a five or a six if you're getting it. Volvo's a hard word, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it's like, I mean, you're like staring at it. And, you're and like, a hard nut to crack. <laughs> There's only six letters left. What could this possibly be? Volvo, Dolores. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Really. Um. So yeah, so like, or, but or, so like, everyone's pissed. But Irma like turns to Leon. She's like, "Well, you forget about it. like you had no chance of getting this word anyway. Yeah. Um, like I, you couldn't. Even, I had to help you with Volvo the other day." And Leon's like, "What are you talking about? I know Volvo. It's one of the safest cars." Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you know, she's like, "Get over it. It's not a big deal. I gotta go. It's time for my AA meeting." Um, so we we don't know how, how long has passed, right? So we don't have a good sense of, you know, the clock running down on the Irma commitment. Yeah, well, we know that it's November of 2023, or we assume so, or 2022. And, it's and some November. When, and when when was, like, the six-month deadline? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that, we discussed that last episode, not exactly We don't sure. know. Yeah, yeah we, have no, we don't know, right? Um, okay, well... In the, in, you know, after Irma, pa you know, what's it called? Storms out. Um, doesn't storm out. You know, exit out. I shouldn't uh, make her seem crazier than she is. Um, <laughs> Leon seems to be wearing these, uh, this pair of shorts that allows his balls to hang out the bottom. Mm. And he flashes Larry. Larry finds this can be completely grotesque. Um, balls are disgusting. Mm. And Leon has this theory that there's a connection between the balls and the brain because they have a very similar pattern. Yeah. Um, he thinks that's probably where the expression thinking with your dick comes from. And Larry's yeah. very impressed by this thought. Yeah. <laughs> I would need to see, um, you know, much like no two snowflakes are the same or fingerprints. Do you think that it is true that no two testicles have the same pattern? I think all penises look exactly the same. Well, I'm not talking about the penis. I'm talking about the testicles with They're the wrinkles on them. They're all the same. Yeah. Dave Chappelle has a whole great bit about it, how he, uh, how he, uh, I mean, this is old Dave Chappelle, 20 years ago, how he ironed his balls so they would be smooth as eggs. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, oh, well, he didn't actually do that. It's a joke, but yes. Okay, good. Um, the, uh, on last week's episode of Renap, Chappelle accused me of pulling a, pulling a Leon with uh, my shorts uh, while recording a podcast and, and flashing some, some inner thigh or something by mistake. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I ended up on, you know, somehow naked in a, in a hot tub with you on Renap this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to be clear. Like, how I'm did with, I get involved here? Yeah. When, when I'm with others in the hot tub, I, I mean, unless they request it, I, I, out of respect, I, I wear a swimsuit. The naked you know, is really when I'm by myself. And if they request it out of respect, you remove your swimsuit. Yeah. Now it has it has occurred that I'm sitting in my hot tub naked and my neighbors show up sometimes. Un, I wouldn't say uninvited. Un, un, like I have an open invitation to some of my friends. So sometimes people show up when I'm sitting in the hot tub naked, um, and then I just let them know. I'm like, well, I didn't know you were coming. So if you send me a text message, I will get a swimsuit on. But if you don't, yeah, then sometimes so this happened to us. Um, we attended friend of the pod A.B. Sutton's wedding, mm. um, which was at Hilton Head, and after the wedding. 
uh, me and a couple friends went down to the hot tub um, with a couple bottles of wine. And we sat in the hot tub and we drank the bottles of wine. And one of us, uh, not me, a former guest on this podcast, uh, decided to remove his swim trunks. And then unbeknownst to him, a, a group of ladies that had been at the wedding mm. um, arrived to talk to us at the hot tub. They didn't, co- they didn't come into the hot tub. They were kind of just like congregating around it and like, you know, talking about the, you know, the wedding and this moment and that moment, whatever, random stuff. Um, and he was just like sitting there the whole time being like, they, they need to leave because I'm sitting here naked. Um, this is not great. But, but couldn't uh, someone else pass him his swimsuit and he put it on under the water? Uh, I think that would have been obvious. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he wanted to highlight the fact that he oh. was sitting there naked. Well, but didn't they notice the swimsuit sitting there unworn on the side of the... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Could yeah. have been with towels or whatever. The night before my wedding, um, we we went... Um, our, my wedding was on a Sunday. Saturday night after Shabbat, we, we, meaning, you know, family and friends and stuff, we all drove down to the hotel and we checked into the hotel where the wedding was going to be the next day. And lo and behold, there was another wedding happening at this hotel on Saturday night. And so my friends and I decided to crash this wedding, uh, the end of it, because, you know, why not? And then uh, the post-game party for this wedding, they decided to go to the hot tub. And so we went there with uh, some of the, the 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 ladies and gentlemen from this other wedding. And we're at the hot tub. It's the night before my wedding. And my phone, I have my phone with me. It's on the side of the hot tub. And one of my friends sat on my phone with their wet swimsuit and made my phone not work, unfortunately. And my uh, soon in a matter of a few hours to be wife was trying to call me um, the night before our wedding to talk. But unfortunately, my phone wasn't working, which led to some stress and anxiety for her because she couldn't get through to me. Did you call it off? She did not call it off. But I do. Okay. The next morning, I remember running around to a Verizon store trying to get my phone fixed. Uh, anyway, it all ended up well. My phone worked. I got married. So far, still married. All right. And the phone still yeah. works? Phone still works. Well, right. th- th- I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, um, but yeah, then she was probably bit... using the same laptop as then. So maybe yeah, but I, but I do remember her the next morning. She's like, you know, I was trying to get in touch with you last night. I'm like, you know, sorry. Uh, Josh sat on my phone in his wet swimsuit. What do you mean? Wet yeah. swimsuit? Where were you? We're in the hot tub. Why are you in the hot tub? <laughs> well, we're hanging out with the bridesmaids. The <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And she's still married. You. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Larry is heading out cause he's got to go it was, next it was, it was an Indian wedding. Indian weddings are a lot of fun. It, it, my my experience limited to being the, the last hour of one Indian wedding, but anyway. Yeah, I've never been to an Indian wedding. Yeah. Um, I probably I probably won't at this rate. <laughs> it's not too late. You can be, well, yeah, you can be friends with me. Not necessarily. I just think it's unlikely. The the odds drop at this point. Yeah, at this point, like our next batch of weddings is like our friends' kids. Like we're in a lull of like low wedding attendance, other than random cousins or whatever, right? From like from thirty five to like fifty, I'd say is your lowest wedding attendance, probably, right? Yeah, um, although I did go to two last year, um, kind of randomly, which was like the most I had gone to in a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I assume it'll start to creep up because certain people are just getting to that age. But I, and I also went to a, a friend's wedding last year. Not actually, it was this it was 2022. Um, it was actually the day of that Bills Vikings game, and I was like very dangerously watching it on my phone as I drove to the mm. wedding because it was like that insane game. Yes. Um. So yeah. So. He's going to his next door neighbor who is having a wake. I don't know if it's a wake or, you know, just, uh, I don't know what they call it, what these. Yeah. Shiva, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Who cares? The person who died is a guy. We, we can move on. <laughs> um, so the person's name is Tubman, I think. Right. But like, I think Larry just kind of makes up that they're a descendant of Harriet Tubman. Well, no, because, no, he confirms it later in the episode. 
he does okay that wasn't yeah because yeah. i didn't because it's certainly in this original conversation like he like larry just like says tubman it, yeah it, at first it seems thing. like just because you're a tu- all tubmans aren't related but then you know but then then he does confirm it later in the episode okay fine so i'm just yeah that. um so the neighbor is you know originally very impressed with him and you know for taking a stand in atlanta like we've made this whole you know a national conversation about it mm-hmm. um and then when larry you know wishes him condolences on his father the guy i don't even know what's this guy's name um, Dwayne, Dwayne Tubman. Dwayne, right, right. You okay, should know. So you should know his last name. <laughs> no, the, the last name I know. Um, yeah. So Dwayne, he finds out that the person who died is not Dwayne's father. It's his father-in-law. It's his wife's yeah. father. Yeah. And then, which, which Larry's like, oh, so like, mm, this is not a big deal. It's not, yeah, it's not a tragedy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not as big of a deal. Like father, father-in-law is not father. Yeah. Um, which is true. Usually, sure. usually for most. Yeah. People. Most people like their fathers more than their fathers-in-law. Well, they, at least they love their father more than their, their father-in-law. They might like their father-in-law more. Yeah. Oh, that's also true. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, but you, you owe more to your father. There's more baggage with your father. There's more, you know, there's just more yeah. there. Yeah. Um, It's like, he's like, it's the same difference between, like, whether, you know, your dog dying versus, you know, a friend's dog dying. Like, you don't care as much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, he even goes so far to say, you know, when he, uh, when Dwayne like starts like, you know, acting weird to Larry's antics here, you know, Larry will admit that like, you know, with, when people say things like, I'm sorry, and I love you, like, I don't believe that they really mean those things. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those aren't like real emotions that people have. Yeah. Like Dwayne is like besides himself. Yeah. Um, he's like, no, like, this is like a big loss. Like, I love my father-in-law and my wife is, you know, mourning. Like, this is, <laughs> but Larry's like, eh, father-in-law. Yeah. Um, and now things get even more interesting when Dwayne decides that this is a good time to bring up the fact that there's this lemon tree mm. that sits on the border of their properties. I guess it's technically on Dwayne's property, but the branches reach out over on Some Larry's them, yeah. property. Yeah. Um, which means that sometimes lemons fall into Larry's yard. Yeah, and I do think, by the way, it's a masterful job by Dwayne using his mourning as a way to get Larry to pay for half the lemon tree. Yes, yes, that's very smart. Yeah. Um, and, it's and, very and hard and, to say no. And perhaps it's because he's so pissed at Larry for his earlier performance uh, in uh, his... Uh, well, yeah. I don't even think it's that, because I think he was always planning to do that, and he assumed it would work, not knowing that Larry doesn't give condolences and doesn't have feelings the way other people do. He thought, like, yeah. oh... I'm going to get half the bill here, not knowing how, you know, emotionally deranged Larry David is yet. Yeah. Um, so there's some maintenance that has to be done for this tree in order to keep it up and running. And he suggests that they split things 50, 50. Yeah. And Larry's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like the tree is on your property. Like I don't even need lemons. Like I never asked for lemons. Um, they're completely fungible citrus, you know, we could replace in a grapefruit. There's all sorts of things you could use instead of a lemon. Lemon Um, is a very fungible citrus. Yeah. I mean, I have no need for lemon. Hmm. Now, um, I will say. I've certainly never, I've certainly never bought a lemon for myself. You've never purchased a lemon ever? For myself. Like if my wife puts it on the shopping list, I'll buy it. But like, I, it's never there because like I want a lemon. Oh, you need lemons for recipes sometimes. Um, no, you could use lemon juice usually. Okay, well, the, how are you getting the lemon juice? You it bought that. From, it, com- it comes from a bottle. Oh, it depends what, I mean, if it's, 
if it's like if it's like something you're cooking, then yeah, you can use the bottle. But if it's like something that's not been cooked, like a like a dressing or something, then then it's not as good. Then you need to squeeze the fresh lemons. I feel like. Yeah. I feel although like... I I would say that I don't think his suggestion that you could put grapefruit on fish sounds very good. Yeah. <laughs> I will say my my brother actually my brother Sammy who I was just visiting it's quite delightful. He has lemon trees, grapefruit trees. He has all kinds of citrus trees in his yard. Um, and he has these delightful, uh, citruses, but I've never really thought about, yeah, how using one instead of the other. Um, I feel like the lime is a more acceptable replacement for the lemon than the grapefruit. Yeah. I prefer the lime to the lemon in general. general. You're saying, all right. Now, Anthony can't flavor. Anthony Cantor in the patron chat made a great point here. He says, you know, what is Dwayne up to? Because first he tries to railroad Larry to split the cost of tree maintenance so they can both continue to enjoy the lemons. And it's very clear he's talking about the maintenance of the, of the lemons, right? They want to continue to enjoy the lemons. But when he'll come over later on in the episode, he will come with um, – he will say that they removed the tree because he says they even had to remove the stump which you got to grind up the stump. That's a whole other thing. I do know from experience, the guys who remove trees, they don't remove the stumps. Stump removal is like an extra cost because they got to grind it up a whole other thing. So if they're removing it, then you're not enjoying lemons. Then then you have no more lemon tree. Um, And then Anthony says on that note, at the door, he says he has the estimate for the tree service. But once inside, he tells Larry he has the invoice. The work's already been done. So very fishy. I don't know exactly know what's going on here. And Anthony Cantor is right to be very suspicious. This man is clearly a Tubman in name only. (laughs) <laughs> you know um, yeah. that is yeah that is some very good detective work um yes yeah, so why did larry call him on that so i mean the invoice versus estimate thing i i, I think could be either way you know he's just, well because one is implying before the work is done and one is implying the work's already been complete yeah. i know i know the difference between an invoice yeah, yeah, and an yeah, estimate. Yeah. Um, no, the bigger I issue is i thought they were going to maintain the yeah, they were going to maintain the lemon tree, and now if they've removed the lemon tree, then no one's getting any lemons anymore. The whole point was to maintain – Right, and why is Larry lemon... paying for, yeah. for lemons that don't exist? If anything, Larry should charge this guy. Now I don't get any lemons anymore because you removed the tree. Yeah. Maybe he's relocating the tree? Oh, so he removed it all together. Interesting. Um, that That's an that... interesting point. That could be very – so I have – um, I have a tree on my yard. The people who lived in our house at one point who did some landscaping were really into trees. And I was told that we have this this Japanese um, whatever. We have this we have this one tree in our yard, which to me looks like a generic tree. I couldn't care less. But I was told this tree cost twenty thousand dollars. So when I heard that, I thought, that's amazing. I would like to sell this tree. Who would like to buy this tree? Because <laughs> you could replace it with a five hundred dollars tree. And I won't know the difference. Right. And then I was told, unfortunately, that once the tree has reached a certain level of maturity, you cannot remove it and plant uh-huh. it somewhere else. Because we, there's no guarantee that it'll take. And so I would not be able to sell my tree and, and realize the profit that I'd hoped. So I just have a worthless $20,000 tree on my property. So, yeah, it seems like it'd be quite risky to try and move the lemon tree. Now, maybe lemon trees are different than my Japanese well, dwarf, should, whatever it's called. You should have – you should tell someone that you will sell it to them for – Their risk. Cheaper. Or they only pay you if it, if if it if it takes. They have to pay you for like whatever the cost is to get it out and put in like the stupid five hundred dollar tree instead. So like yeah. that's their risk. And then the remaining whatever thousand they only get, you know, upon you know it's an escrow until we establish that the the tree works yeah. there. I would I would I would be fine with that because it's it's worth the risk for me. It's it's um, no loss for you. You get the replacement yeah. tree. If it works, great. If not, you don't give a shit. By the way, I just I, I searched Jap- I want it's a Japanese dwarf maple, and I see I shared this I, exact story in the patron chat of the 32 fans in November ah, of 2020. <laughs> all right, and I'll take my my uh, my typical uh, one third. No, but that yeah that that's for, not a bad move. For, so I for I should I should say I, I'm willing to take the risk that I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah, that's a good point. That only if it survives, then um then then you pay. 
That's not a bad. Right. So if yeah. if any if anybody wants to buy a Japanese dwarf maple, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. You, yeah. you pay you pay the costs of removing it and replanting it, and if it if it survives, you pay me twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars. Um, it's well, just to make it easier to give fifteen thousand to me and five. six thousand to off. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Just send it directly to me. Just send yeah. it to the pretty good, pretty pretty good uh, website, okay. and I'll make I'll make sure Chester gets this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll work it out with all the other, uh, you know, big yeah. big money cash flow in outs going yeah. on with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so eventually the Larry Larry caves here, right? He uh, he agrees to split the bill because he just gets bullied into it, I think. Oh, um, so yeah, so we go over to Jeff's where Larry is like telling everyone about this whole Tubman story. Um, he can't believe that a Tubman would treat him so unfairly. Yeah. And today is his ancestor was embarrassed. You know, Susie's birthday gathering, I guess, for this group, because everybody is it's here the West Coast birthday. Yeah. yeah. Even though it was Susie's birthday last week. So it's really yeah. like Susie's birthday, Susie's birthday month on, yes. uh, on Curb this season. Yeah. Um, I hope it's not still Susie's birthday next week. That would be crazy. Um, and so Cheryl and Ted arrive and they have purchased a cute puppy for Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry and Irma present their gift, which is a Theragun. Yeah. Um, Were people you are the Theragun before this episode. Not really. Um, I guess I'm like vaguely familiar with this as a concept, but like I don't think I've ever seen one in person. I have. I have a friend, uh, my friend John, who when we play pickup basketball brings one. I don't know if it's a Theragun, but something similar. Brings it with him to the court, and while he's in between games, he's using it to massage his thighs. In a interesting. Yeah, similar to how Larry does. I googled it by the way. A Theragun. The basic one costs one fifty. You can get fancier ones. So a, a nice gift for Larry to give uh, Susie here. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody is much more into the dog than the Theragun. They're well, obviously, completely, yeah. Completely dismissive of Larry's gift. But but Susie is so obnoxious about the gift. She'll go out of her way like, where is it? Oh, it's wherever you left it last time. Like she has like she's incredibly rude and obnoxious about this gift. Honestly. Um. Yeah. She should still just like say thank you, even though she someone gave her a better gift. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, she has no interest in this gift. Yeah. Susie's not always the nicest to Larry. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so this is when Freddie fills everybody in on this situation that he has going on with his neighbors, the Harringtons. Mm. Um, he, and he kind of just mentions it in passing, right? Like, I think somebody t- says that, like, Freddie is, like, looking good. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, well, well he's a great he's a great middler. And so that's yeah. what he's doing. He's middling. Well. Yeah. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I get great exercise, this, that. Oh, and also I'm regularly having sex with my neighbor's wife. Yeah. Do you, so, do you know the, the, the Norm MacDonald story on the Adam Carolla podcast about sex with the – do you know the no, story? No. Um, Norm MacDonald told this story on, on – on, I think on the Adam Carolla podcast. On the Adam Carolla podcast? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, where he was having sex with his next-door neighbor's wife. And what and what he would, they would what they would do is he, Norm would go over, have sex with the neighbor's wife, and they would do a doggy style – looking out the window so that they could both be on the lookout for when the husband was coming home. Oh boy. <laughs> and, and he would do this routinely. Um, yeah, but that's not the case here because here Freddie's doing it with the blessing of the father of the husband. Yeah, no, the husband is into it. Yeah. Um, so listen, I, IVF is becoming illegal now. So if you want to have a baby, <laughs> there's a few other ways to do it. You got, you got to let Freddie Funkhauser have sex with your wife. Yeah. Um, so apparently their theory of the case is like they could do IVF. IVF is fine. Uh, maybe we should just do that. But they believe that there's like something healthier for the baby by being conceived with like, I guess, like the passion of yes. intercourse. Yes. Um, I assume it's probably the opposite, right? That IVF is much 
safer probably because it's probably much easier for them to weed out any potential like bad combos or just you know well so the wild thing about these harringtons in general is all right so so ron and lydia harrington they have a next door neighbor they have a neighbor freddie funkhauser you know uh, he's vince vaughn he's a successful tall handsome gentleman and they decide these are the genes that we want to have for our child um fine and we want him to have sex with my wife, uh, with Ron and Lydia want him to have sex with Lydia, even, you know, he's getting up there in age a little bit, but whatever, because they, they say he will have the optimum sperms for the baby they want. All oh, that's all fine. But then when he's unavailable, they'll just ask him for his advice of anybody, you know, like, do you know anybody else, Freddie? Uh, yeah, I'm sitting here at lunch with, uh, with, <laughs> with Leah. They didn't, they didn't know that other people existed other than Apparently. Freddie. Yeah, it's yeah. Freddie and anybody Freddie happens to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this storyline is funny, but it makes like absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah. A little, a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, um, like yeah. this is the amount of research they would do on the sperm donor. It's yes. like <laughs> Freddie Funkhauser says that he's a good guy and he, and the guy makes it very clear that all he wants to do is tap that ass. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Freddie explains that like at the outset, the plan was like, we're going to keep everything like very detached, very clinical. There's going to be rules. There's going to be boundaries, but when things get lit up, there's no rules. This has been the best sex of my life. So that's pretty great for Freddie. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. He's biting butts. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ir- Irma interrupts the story and we saw this on the, uh, the preview last week. She wants to know if he gives her climax. Yeah. And he says he doesn't know, which is a little bit suspicious. Um, but I mean, it's the best Ir- sex of his life. We didn't say it's the best sex of her life. So, but he should know. Well, he doesn't care. Maybe he's faking it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and um, Irma, Irma goes on. She reveals that when she and Larry have sex, he makes her climax and she releases a sex musk, which yeah. is great for conception. Yeah. And honestly, it. Larry should be proud that he's uh, succeeding so well. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he just wants to get a hold of that sex musk. Mm-hmm. It's that's you know he has all alternative agendas here, yeah. um. So yeah, we uh, we move on from this uh, saucy sex conversation when Susie goes off to ch- trace the puppy, which she has decided to name him Frankie after Frank Sinatra. Um, Larry makes fun of the dog, saying it's very effeminate, and that the dog should perhaps be given a pronoun so people know know that it's uh, a male dog. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah, I don't know where that one. It's a throw. It's a throwaway line about pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So okay. So the kind of the crux of the story has not even happened yet, which is interesting. Um, because we're a little bit in already. But we head over to the golf course, which we'll have to talk about how Larry's in this golf course because this seems to be the same golf course that he was golf club he was already thrown out of. I was very curious about that as well. Yeah. Um. And Larry's sitting on a bench, and he sees that there's a golf pro giving a lesson to his deaf client, Troy, Troy Coetzer, um, Academy Award winner, Troy Coetzer. Yes, uh, but, but yet again, I don't think he's going to be a member of the uh, Ted Dancing Club. No, no definitely not. Um, I don't know how we're supposed to understand that Troy is understanding this lesson, which seems to be... Like well, he has, the, he, he, has the, he has his interpreter right there. He's there here. I didn't see the interpreter. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The interpreter's okay. there. Yeah. Okay. So I was I was focusing because like he's like he's like talking from behind him, so it's like he can't even read lips. Okay. Um. 
this is not the first deaf actor to appear on Curb. Do you remember another one? Was it Mary Matlin? No, it wasn't Mary Matlin. It was Deanne Bray, who's actually Troy Coatser's wife. Oh, wow. She was in the episode Rat Dog. Um, she was the owner of the dog that gets stomped on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they appear uh, six six seasons apart. Yeah. The Coatser Bray clan. By the way, did we also saw Richard Lewis. Did we skip that? Um, I don't think we've seen him yet. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought he came before Troy Coatser, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, because they're already golfing with, with Richard Lewis, and Larry's doing well, because the tip that the Larry learns is the vertical drop, horizontal tug. Yeah. And the trainer sees Larry sitting on the bench trying to, like, imitate the motion of the vertical drop, horizontal tug, and he immediately tells him, sir, if you want a golf lesson, you can book one at the at the pro shop. You can't just, you know, sit here and watch our, our this guy's lesson. Yeah, Jimmy is not impressed with Larry David, the uh, the hero. Yeah, this is a thing that I've like probably done from time to time with like tour guides where you yes, just latch yes. onto a tour. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but not like a one on one lesson, you know, on the golf course or you Well, know, but but if Jimmy the golf pro was smart, he would take the fact that Larry's so impressed with thirty seconds of eavesdropping and try to upsell right. him into a full lesson. Right. Right, right, yeah. He'd say like, you know, uh, Larry, like, you know, why don't you book me for a lesson? And I got this and more, I, you know. But yeah. instead, he like attacks him immediately. Yeah. And if you want, if you want to get, you know, to, the real impact of the vertical tug, horizontal drop, or whatever the hell it's called, like, you know, let, let you, we need to show you the advanced techniques. Like, there's lots of things to really perfect yeah. this move. Yeah. Um, and Larry's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just sitting on a bench. And the, the trader tries to argue that the bench is merely an aesthetic bench. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Larry's like, no, the bench is for sitting. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously correct. Yeah. So uh, now is where we advance to Richard Lewis because now they're mm. playing and yeah. Richard's like, how are you playing so well? What's going on? I've never seen this, you know, hot streak from you on the course. Yeah. And, and I, I got to say, R- Richard Lewis makes Joe Biden look like the paragon of youth. <laughs> um, and Larry is like, well, it happens to be that I was eavesdropping on this lesson and I learned the vertical, the vertical drop horizontal tug. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done the vertical drop before. Everyone knows course about the vertical drop Everyone. but never the horizontal talk it's certainly not the, the pairing of the two yes the whole magic mm-hmm. um and now larry has knows this technique well enough from just watching this from you know for one second not only can he do it and he's perfected it he also knows it well enough to now teach it to richard which yeah. is really something from 30 seconds of yeah yeah um and richard is uh is so moved um i don't know if this is what caused it but at least this is the moment he decides to bring up that he desires to put Larry into his will. Mm. Now, and do you Larry, believe, as Larry suspects, that Richard's doing this just to get Larry to do the same? Um, once Larry mentioned it, yes. I, okay. I definitely didn't think of it. Okay. But yeah, he's looking for some reciprocity here, I think. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> um, I know that um, friend, of the, friend of the pod, Ali Lasher, was very uh, taken by this scene. She loves the uh, the Richard and Larry uh, back and forth. Yeah, um, no, it's always great. You you can yeah. appreciate the fact that they've been friends for as as Allie said for sixty years or whatever. Yeah, um, hold on, Allie is a mutual friend of ours, uh, past guests of the pod. Was she the one at AB's wedding in the hot tub uh, <laughs> without her swimsuit on? I'll, I'm gonna leave those records sealed. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, so Larry's like, no th- thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going into the will. 
Um, he, what's what's the, the the politician that he quotes? The if you know if if chosen, I will not run. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Sherman principle. The Sherman Sherman, Sherman yeah, yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if you try to give it to me, I'm giving it to charity. Like, yeah. not take, not interested. Um. So Jeff is arrives and Larry is uh, it's Larry's turn to, to take a shot, and he wants to wait because Troy and his group are still you know ahead of them on the hole, and Jeff is like, "What are you talking about? Like, there's no way you could hit it that far. Just go. Like, you're wasting everybody's time. There's like a zero percent chance that you're putting anyone in danger." Um, and of course, you know you don't need to have seen it to know exactly what happens. Is Larry nails yeah. Troy right in the back of the head, Perfect knocks shot. him down. Um, and everyone's like, what the hell? What, like, what's wrong with you? Um, this is like the first thing they teach you when you go on a golf course. Is, is I, Even before you go on a golf course, right? Everyone knows yelling for, right? Yeah. Um, and Larry's like, oh, but it would have been worthless here because Troy is deaf. And they get the whole back and forth. Well, we could have warned him, whatever. Larry's like, no, no, no. He was getting hits. It was too <laughs> late. Um, and he's like, I didn't, I honestly, like, I didn't think I could hit it that far. Like, I've never hit it that far before. Shot of luck, baby. And this is when the trainer realizes that, oh, it's only because you used the new stolen technique that you were able to hit it this far. Now everyone's really upset. Um, so Larry tries to get, you know, get out of trouble. He tries to smooth things over. He tells Troy that he feels really bad. And let me get you some Postmates for dinner. Well, you know, what can I get for you? <laughs> and Troy just still like walks away angrily. And Larry suspects that the interpreter has not conveyed Larry's very generous offer of post. Of post yes. He, he <laughs> thinks the sign that he did is way too short to have <laughs> communicated that much. Yeah. Like, which I agree. Like, there's no way the sign that he did, like, included postmates. Oh, I thought, I, it looked to me like he was sharing everything. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think the interpreter is fucking over Larry here. Oh, really? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and they also, I think they also steal his ball. I don't know why they have his ball, but fine. They want his ball. Um, and then they, you know, he gets into this argument with uh, Richard and Jeff about whether he should have to take a penalty. He wants to do a drop. I don't know any of the, re- the rules or etiquette about this. Do you? I mean, there must be a formal rule about if you hit someone with your golf ball, whether whether you drop or whether there's a penalty. But I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the. Uh, well, well, I don't know what you would do in like a friendly situation here. Well, in a friendly uh, situation, just let him drop and don't charge him a penalty. Like you, you know, it's not. Is it hit? they? They're the ones who told him to hit it anyway. Right. So, I was surprised he yeah. didn't use that line of argument. That's like, that's not yeah. even my fault. You guys told yeah. me to. Yeah. Um, so then, though, what, their argument gets interrupted because they hear this very distressing noise mm-hmm. of a, a coyote howling followed by like a dog barking and screaming, uh, yeah. which they conclude is a coyote eating a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Jeff is like, holy shit. Apparently, Jeff lives next door to the golf course. Yeah. Um, as, so does everybody, as we'll learn throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, like, I think that like that might be my dog. I think that was coming from my house. Um, and Larry's like, well, it could have been one of your neighbors. And, like, let's be honest. Like, what could you even really do? If it's dead, it's dead. If it's not dead, it's not dead. Like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's uh, Schrodinger's dead dog. Yes. But the idea that they can suddenly clearly hear these dogs seems a bit far-fetched. But, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Jeff is like, okay, you're right. Let's, let's finish the rounds. Yeah. Um, and then they get home and thank God Frankie is safe. Mm. Um, they make a whole hullabaloo, you know, so excited to see Frankie and Susie's like, what's the commotion? What's going on? Mm. And they explain very stupidly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so dumb. Entirely predictable situation. 
Yeah, they should have just been like, oh, like we missed him. He's so cute. Like it would have been over. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they completely out themselves and explain that they, while they were golfing, they had reason to believe that Frankie had been murdered, eaten alive, and they finished the round and like didn't make think much of it. Um, Lowry will specifically say that he didn't. They didn't think about her at all. Yeah. Uh, when she's like, well, what about me? Like I would have been at home, like upset that that Frankie was killed. Um, and what Larry explains is that there is a very high bar to get him to leave the golf course. There's basically no people whose death he would leave for, including Jeff. Especially if he's having as good a round as he's having. Yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. ask someone to stop in the middle of a good round. Yeah. So we um we have Larry back at home. Dwayne comes over to, you know, bring the bring the estimate, the estimate, the invoice, however you want to uh describe it. And when Larry sees that the bill is $2,700, he's like, okay, that's it. I'm not paying $1,300 you know, to get like two lemons a month. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls out Dwayne. He's like, frankly, I find this to be very untubman like behavior. Yeah. I don't believe that your ancestor, Harriet Tubman, would approve of your conduct here. Yeah. And he's like, why is that? And Larry explains because she was the type of person who would smuggle slaves to the north without charging them. Yeah. <laughs> and if she were here, she would just be offering me free lemons. Yeah. Um, how do we know? I mean, she might have charged people. Do we know? I don't know if there's a lot of historical record about Harry Tubman's position on lemons. No, she would have charged. She didn't charge people to smuggle them. She probably should have. Hmm. She could have made a killing. Um, so yeah, Leon comes in, him and Dwayne, um, they're very cordial to each other. They give them each other the nod. They call themselves brother. Um, by the way, there is a, there is a tea called a Harriet Tubman, which is a spearmint orange spice, a perfect blend of mint and citrus. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing when I Google Harriet Tubman and citrus that I find the spearmint orange spice, Araminta Ross. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Larry is like very confused by this whole, like, you know, brother nod, um, you know, Jews don't do a nod. Why, you know, why do you guys get a nod? And Larry, Leon explains this because Jews already have that song. Hey, Jew. <laughs> yes. We've got that song. Great song. Yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, Orthodox Jews, like yarmulke wearing Jews, um, with not maybe New York or Jerusalem, but like out in the wild, we, we do do the nod. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Uh, or even if you see someone that you're like, yeah, yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Well, I would have, like, when I, because I'm like an identifiable Jew with my yarmulke, I, I would have like, I remember like the, my first like couple weeks in law school, uh, many people in my section would sort of their subtle way of letting me know that they were Jewish. Like I, I remember, I remember cause on the same day, two different girls in my section both made the exact same comment to me, which is where are you going to be for Rosh Hashanah? Which was very obviously their way of telling me that they were Jewish. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's also that one, which is kind of funny, but uh, yeah, we don't have the nod. We have the song. The song's good enough. <laughs> whenever, when I know whenever I see a fellow Jew, I break at the song. Yeah. Hey Jew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you know, they, they keep going on fighting with, you know, Larry's arguing with Dwayne, you know, saying I, I'm not paying this thing. This makes no sense. Um, and then Dwayne just kind of out of nowhere, just like gets up and leaves and and agrees to just pay for the whole thing. And like Larry's very confused at first, yeah. but then he realizes is that what happened is that he saw Leon's leathered, withered grotesqueries hanging yes. out there. And that 
lo and behold, saves him $1,350. Yeah, so my issue with both this scene and then, of course, the intentional scene later with Mr. Takahashi is I understand they just want to get out of there and end the conversation, but why would they end it to Larry's benefit? They could say, no, fuck you, you're paying me, and then leave angrily. Right. Or Like, Takahashi would be so upset that he's staring at Larry's grotesqueries that he would say, you're extra thrown out of the club. (laughs) Right. It's weird that they... they You can't even come back in two seasons. You can't have to go away for four seasons. In fact, you have to end the series because you could never come back. Yeah. So it's interesting how the strategy somehow works to the benefit of the bald displayer. But anyway, that that it yeah. does. Yeah, I'm sure you're excited to try this one out in the water. <laughs> I'll try to let you know how it goes. Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we go back to the golf club where Larry is telling everyone the story of how Leon saved him with his balls. And Freddie, this is where Freddie tells them that, you know, my neighbor is ovulating tomorrow. So she needs someone to fuck her. But I'm gonna be on vacation, so I can't do it. Like, yeah. you could. Do you guys know anyone? <laughs> yeah. Um. And first, we have like kind of like um Larry and Richard both saying like, oh, of course we would do it, and you know they making fun of each other for being too old. Um. After they did the whole thing earlier. Um. About oh no, that's late. We didn't get there yet about who's who's gonna die first, right? Yeah. Um. So, did we do that yet? I don't think so. No, no, that comes. Okay. Um, I know we didn't talk about it. I just no. sure. <laughs> Um so yeah, so um they say they Leon makes a comment that Richard's sperm are in powdered milk form. Yeah. <laughs> very disgusting visual. Yeah. Um that that's like it's that's like such a sick burn that like Richard like excuses himself from the competition. Yeah. Um so um, Leon records this like short, uh, short cameo, let's say, to send to Lydia about how he's going to tap her ass if she gets pregnant. That's a bonus. And she immediately accepts. Yeah. There's no one else available. Freddie's on vacation. What are you going to do? Yeah, um, this is a pretty good move. If it, I never tried this, just like sending this video to, uh, to <laughs> women that you want to uh, sleep with and yeah. they just say, they'll say, sure, let's let's set up an appointment to meet tomorrow. Yeah. Um, in walks Mr. Takahashi, um, a former, another former pretty, pretty, pretty good guest. Maybe he Absolutely. was in that famous but hot tub. We'll never know. Yeah. Records are sealed. Um, and he is very angry at Larry for hitting Troy with the golf ball. He forgot to yell for. He also yeah. doesn't like that he stole the lesson from Jimmy. Yeah, and... It's impossible to understand how he's still in this club. It makes no sense. <laughs> Uh, he tells Larry one more infra- infraction and you're out. Yeah. I thought the end of the episode was he knew that he was the swan killer because it said so on the tombstone. So you how did Larry think. get out of that time? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then he's also back since then, I think. Yeah. So very, he unclear, was in, huh? he was in last season. Yes. Yes. Where he, yeah. He's not quite. Yeah. So anyway, Larry somehow has endless chances with Mr. Takahashi. Yeah. Um, he even catches him doing a chant in Japanese and he lets him stay in the club. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of Japanese in this episode. I Googled all. So, Sodesuka basically means really, um, <laughs> which they keep saying back and forth to each other here in this scene. And then, of course, Mr. Takahashi will call Larry Baka, which means Baka. fool. Oh, oh, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we go back to the course. And we see that the bench that he was sitting on the other day has now been roped off. Mm-hmm. Um, this is um, really 
chickens coming home to roost. Lowry last season roped off his chair. Oh, yes. Now, good call. And now the bench is being ro- roped off to prevent him from sitting. Yeah, I forgot about that. He's a roper. <clears throat> yeah. Big anti-roper this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is okay. Now we get back onto the will discussion where this is where Larry first accuses Richard that like, you're just putting me in. Cause you think I'll put you in. Um, but he's but like, Richard's like, but now that you mentioned it, like deal, let's do that. Um, and they get it first. Answer, or, you know, Larry's like, fine, I'll give you the same amount you give me. And Richard's like, no, it should be percentages. <laughs> yeah. R- Richard's helpful. Yeah. Um, and then they get, you know, they get into this whole thing about, you know, who's going to die first. Richard thinks, you know, he, he will. There's no way Richard actually thinks that. <laughs> yeah. And Larry's just like, I am going to hire nutritionists and exercise every day just so that I can outlive you. Um, and then, you know, Richard's like so embarrassed and so like, you know, he, insulted by this conversation that he blurts out the word sugar, thus ruining right. that day's wordle. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, Larry's even more upset. He tells him that, like, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ruin you. And they go into this back and forth. Well, I'm going to get the word from my friend in New York. I'm going to get from my friend in London. Well, I have a friend in Israel. Yeah. Um, and then Richard says he has a person. friend on the equator. I think he means the International Dateline. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, the equator doesn't really help. Yeah. Oh. And this is also just like a very typical Larry Richard argument. The, like, one-upsmanship. One like, we had that with the bracelet, uh, which is actually being covered on the Susie and Jeff podcast this week, where... They, you know, each one of them vows to get there before the other one. They also had it when they get the fight about who should pay the bill. Um, so it's like the idea of like, I'm going to outdo you uh, has always been very central. And 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 specifically, it's like, I'm going to like get there for, first in order to ruin it for you. Yeah. So very typical Larry uh, Richard stick here. Um. So, yeah, so Larry goes to the bathroom, the locker room, and he's sitting in the stall behind the door and overhears Troy and Jimmy walk in and they're going over the golf lesson again. And Larry starts listening in. And somehow um, Jimmy is able to peer behind like the little slit from the stall door and see that Larry's in there and gets angry at him and tells him he's going to report him to Mr. Takahashi. Yeah, which is completely unreasonable. Yeah, Larry was there first, which is what he argues yeah. later. Yeah. It's like it's not his fault that they walked into the bathroom. Yeah. This is very unfair. I agree. Yeah. Um so back at home, sorry, at Jeff's home, Susie, Cheryl, and Ted are fussing over Frankie. Susie claims that Frankie has the most beautifully formed poops. <laughs> and Larry has injured his groin. And he wants to make use of Susie's Theragun that he bought for her. Um, you would think if Larry was so into the Theragun that he would have his own. Yes, of course. Yeah. Although this is probably, this feels like more of like an Irma gift than a Larry gift, right? Because she's very focused on the, you know, the healthcare products. And um, I could see her having a lot of uh, injuries and stuff that need massage. So um, Susie's like yelling at Larry, like, if you want to do that, go do it and, you know, go do it in private. Um, Larry's like, I don't know what the big deal is. Like, I am doing it with my pants on. Like, this is there's nothing wrong with this. Um, And then Ted starts yelling at Larry. Um, Ted and Cheryl accuse him of being selfish, that like this whole um, 
you know, thing is like, you know, he just wants to be the center of attention. Um, I can't believe you continued golfing when you thought Frankie might die. And Larry thinks that Ted is simply jealous of the fact that Larry is so popular these days um, and has become this hero. And Ted's like, you know what? I am jealous because if I had had this opportunity, I would have used it as a platform to make the world a better place. Instead, you're just being a jackass. Um, I don't know what Larry has really done wrong so far in that regard, but okay. Um, I like that Ted admits that like <laughs> that he, he, he's jealous of Larry there. Um, so Larry's like, he's defeated. He's like, you know, well, maybe it's more authentic to only care about yourself. And he yells out the word of the day, sugar to everyone. Uh, Ted's like, haha, I already got it. Actually, I got it in two. And Susie, this is the bridge too far for Susie. Larry's out of the house, and you can take your stupid gift with you. But Larry, Larry warns them, though. Yeah, don't come back to me. <laughs> there will come a day where you will be injured. Yeah. And there will be no Theragun for you. Okay, now we go to Larry's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for, oh, sorry, on the way, sorry, on the way to Larry's house, sorry. Um, Larry sees another homeless man, and he has another bagel that he wants to throw at him. But he misses the homeless man and instead happens to hit Troy, who happens to be walking by at that moment. Um, Larry tries to offer him what um, we probably refer to as a high four, right? Yes. <laughs> It's quite a coincidence that Troy Cutzer is just walking around town now. Yes. Um, he he returns with a one. Yes. Um, middle finger. So now we get home, and Larry is watching a movie with Sienna Miller. And this is now very interesting for Ted Dancing Club purposes. Because do you know what the movie was that Sienna Miller was watching? No. What is it? It was Live by Night. It's a movie about like the Rory's, the Roaring Twenties in Boston. Okay. And her co-star in Live by Night was, according to you, Ted Danson Club member Ben Affleck. Oh, interesting. So, but what do you mean? That... Why do you say according to me? Because I, I don't think that it's real. I, I don't think he's. I think he's just a random person. I don't think he's playing himself. Ben Affleck is playing a character. He's not playing Ben Affleck. Right. He's just yeah. yeah he's he's just an extra. Mm, we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. Except now, we, maybe we do know because if Ben Affleck exists as Ben Affleck in this world, then he can't be the or like a random patron in the store. So this supports you, actually. Oh, I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought of it like that. Interesting. Yeah. So this is put this in your column, pro okay. Ben, but pro nice. Ben Affleck in the uh, season twelve is trying to answer all the questions from earlier in the series. Very smart. Um, so, yeah. So the next morning, the Harringtons come over to meet uh, Leon and um, Larry's there to broker the agreement regarding the sex. It's not really clear why Larry's there at all. Um, they explain they already have a dog. Now they want a baby. Um, they, La- Leon and Larry don't like that they're talking to their dog about their dog like the dog is a person. Um, I also don't love when people do that. Um, I find it a bit off putting. Um, yeah. And Larry, um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what Leon says, but like Larry basically like pulls Leon aside and it's just like, just keep your mouth. If you want, if you want to fuck this woman, yeah, you just keep your mouth shut because every every yeah. time you open your mouth, um, you're, you're putting it at a big risk. Yeah, um, Leon's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm the dick salesman. It's my dick. 
it's going to go great. Yeah. Um, Larry takes one last crack at uh, offering to step up to the table. 152 IQ, is, baby. That's right. But he is shot down. And when um, they head out and, you know, you know they, they make plans to see each other the next day. And all went well with the interview. As they uh, they see the Harringtons off, Dwayne is walking by with his dog. But like as he sees like Larry and Leon there, and I guess the balls are hanging out again, <laughs> he immediately turns around and, and runs off. Um, yeah. He doesn't want to come close. No, no nod. Yeah, no nod. Um, and at that moment, Larry receives a text message summoning him to go see Mr. Takahashi. And Larry has a brilliant idea that when pressed by Mr. Takahashi, he opens up his legs and lets his balls hang out. And Mr. Takashi just can't be bothered to, you know, level any sort of penalty or punishment or consequence of any sort. He's too thrown off by the balls. And he just tells, okay, Larry, it's fine. Just go. Yeah. And finally, we end on Leon over at the Harrington home in bed with Lydia. They're uh, both uh, moaning breathlessly when they hear a coyote howling in the distance. And Lydia's like, oh, my God, Mabel, do you think Mabel might be in trouble? And Leon ends the episode saying, I don't know. I didn't hear shit. Yeah. Well, he wants to finish tapping that ass. He wants the coitus to continue. Yes. yes. And thus our episode ends. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I say this was a good one. Hmm. Bob, how do you rate this episode? I would say that this was a pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, three and a half pretty good episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, I, at first, I thought maybe this is, might go as high as a four because I really did enjoy this a lot. But then when I like, kind of started crunching the numbers, it, that look was going to make like a top 20 episode. Um, and I'm not willing to go that far. Um, but I think this is like clearly the best episode of the season. As I said at the top, um, it's just like a very classic, you know, middle season curb episode where it's like it's all driven by like Larryisms and misunderstandings and social miscues. Um, it doesn't need those like big, like you know, plot mechanics to to make it work. We've got like our whole gang here. Everyone gets to do something fun. Um, Richard dynamic with Larry is great. Leon is great. Irma, I think, is fantastic in this episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I had really had a lot of fun with this episode. I hope we get a few more like it. Um, I know we'll probably eventually have to turn back to, like, the big picture storyline of whatever they're trying to do with this whole Atlanta thing. But it's nice to have, like, just a really fun, classic Curb episode, right? Uh, you know, hopefully more of those to come. Yeah, I'm with you. We're back to classic Curb. Is this episode an all-timer? Maybe not, but everything about it is enjoyable. I love Larry going around L.A., getting into fights with all his friends. Um, it's great. And so I, I actually rank Vertical Drop Horizontal Tug one slot ahead of another episode that famously featured a middle-aged man's balls, uh, which is the thong, um, when Larry's therapist is showing off a little bit too much. So I slot this in right one slot ahead of the thong at number 47 in my rankings, which means that for me it is pretty, 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 pretty good. The exact same as you, three and a half. So I'm in full agreement with you there. Uh, as we move on to the come with guy. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. I think this one, for me, this one's very obvious. It has to be Leon. Um, right? I mean, yeah. he. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah, I have yeah. Leon too. 
certainly the way he's servicing Lydia, um, among everything else. I will note that this also breaks a tie with Larry and moves him into sole second place uh, with now 14 Come With Guy nominations uh, from the two of us uh, behind only Jeff, who has a five season head start on him. Wow. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Leon is incredible this episode, um, just like his uh, the mispronunciations. Um, the, you know, the video that he, he films to Santa Lydia, um, he's just, um, he's classically on, he's just, you know, he steals every scene that he's in. And as you said, in, in the na- in name, indeed, he is the cupboard guy. So. Mm. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. All right. What about the uh, fucking asshole? Who do you got there? Um, this one was a little bit tougher. I don't think there was like a few solid candidates. Um, and I kind of had to just like break the tie at a certain point. Um, but I went with the golf pro, mm. um, because I think he's just like so petty, uh, beyond a point of, of reasonableness. Um, as you pointed out, like he should be using this as an opportunity to get this like extremely rich golf lover to pay him money for golf lessons. Um, instead he decides to chastise him and make a whole thing when like Larry didn't do anything either time. Um, so yeah, this guy's a big fucking asshole. He, he's, and he's terrible at his job. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He, um, he went full asshole when he didn't need to, and he could have gotten a gig out of it. And instead he's the villain. So I'm in agreement there. And I think that means it's time for the postman. It is time for the postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! here Tell the neighborhood! What a shonda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry uh, David! Larry, you you are a lousy dude! But you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shonda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Jew! And this week, we start with Alex Orvitz, who says Leon's balls resolved every storyline, except for when Larry's did with Takahashi. I mostly really enjoyed this one, but I think there's a version that's 32 minutes instead of 39 that's tighter and sharper, maybe cut the Wordle stuff. Still a pretty, 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 pretty good for pretty episode. Come with guy is Richard Lewis. He wants to leave Larry money or for maybe actually nice reasons. And the fucking asshole is Ted Danson. Jealousy is not a good look on him. <laughs> Plus, you played Robert E. Lee, so maybe you wouldn't have been the best person to stand against the voting law. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, okay, Jim Crumley says, this was another so-so episode. The golf instructor storyline was good, with the eponymous advice nailing the inane nonsense that spews from instructors. The, sturm, the sperm donation storyline had potential, but was disappointing, while the dog-coyote storyline was just dull. 3.4 pretties. Come with guy is Mr. Takahashi. So good to see him back. He's worthy of honor for letting Larry get away with the wardrobe malfunction trick instead of having him arrested. And the fucking asshole is the golf instructor. Get over yourself, buddy. Larry was on a bench and on a toilet stall. Yeah, we're with you. (laughs) We turn to Zach Brooks, who says, I love a Wordle reference in 2024. Why didn't Jeff just call and see if the dog was alive? Could have saved a lot of aggravation. That's a good point. Oh my God, Susie, we just heard screaming. Is everything okay with Frankie? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. what a solid um, Come with God. Uh, except then, if, yeah, I guess you're risking that you have to go home. This way, right. you get to finish golf. Yeah. Um, come with God is Leon's ball, saved Larry's $1,350, and came to the rescue. Good stuff from PPPG alum Dana Lee. Mega fucking asshole to golf instructor Jimmy. He made me so mad. Larry could sit on the bench if he damn well pleases. Speaking of golf lessons, was that lost Daniel Day Kim getting the bathroom golf lessons? Um, I don't. Yeah, so. I feel like I would have seen that on. That, 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 that's a hot take. I don't believe so. Yeah, I feel like I would have noticed that on IMDb. 
Yeah. Um, let's see if they say who the episode is, and we'll find out. Is it Daniel Day Kim or is Zach a racist? Those are the only choices. Yeah, I vote racist. Um, Steve Sue. It does look like Daniel Day Kim. Um, yeah, he's not in a, much stuff. Nothing that I really recognize this guy from. He was in. He was an anchor man. Oh, he played additional crew or something. Yeah, he's not. He's yeah. not. Yeah, he 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 has a similar look to Daniel Day Kim. Um. More Leon equals return to form, and Zach gives the episode four pretties. Olin Allen says that episodes highlighting impending peril for dogs never tend to rank high with me. <laughs> a middling episode enough overall with something oh, wow. a bit too signposting. Troy Coacher was great. Could have done with more. Great sign language prop improv, but it's a shame that Larry ruined the takes with him doing some even better stuff. Always a delight to see him, though. Funkhauser Jr. maybe might be growing on me. He might have some unfinished business with Sienna Miller, though the best old part of the episode was Lewis. He wrote Unfinished Business in capitals. I'm guessing they're in a movie called Unfinished Business together. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. Let's see. I'm not familiar with it either. Yes, the 2015 movie with Vince Vaughn. Um, so I'm assuming that she's in it. So yes, she is. Okay. Well done. Um, the, the best part of the episode was Lewis engaging with Larry. Surprised Tubman was so thankful for Larry's morning visit despite his rancid outfit. Come with guy is young, delightful Frankie, a real cutie with an adorable yawn. The fucking asshole is deaf. Terrible, impatient golf etiquette in ruining Larry's game and not be concerned for his adorable cute boy. He gives the episode two and a half pretties. Hmm, a little low. And we end off with John Gormley who says that he found this was the weakest episode of the season so far, but still enjoyable. Wow. Um, if you separate it from the running story. He enjoyed the golf scenes with Jimmy the Roper, didn't care for the dog parts, which was as weak as the Angel Muffin storyline from last season. Susie remembered to have Freddie and Larry middling at this dinner party. Freddie's sex services was probably the funniest part of the episode, Leon picking up the mantle was likely a huge upgrade for the wife. The plot was so obscure and bizarre, which hence made it funny, like nurse stealing a baseball at her vagina, random wacky ideas just play well in retrospect. Larry's good at making uncomfortable facial expressions around Irma, especially during the Sienna Miller movie. Hopefully he gets his chance with her later this season, as unlikely as that will be. Come with guy has to be Leon's balls, both for saving Larry <laughs> in two instances this episode and for potentially generating a healthy family. Yeah, more specific ass, than us. The fucking asshole is Jimmy. He probably still owes Larry for giving his lesson to the widow last season. Oh, that's a good point. Um, we'll split this one down the middle and give it two and a half pretties. P.S. The actor who played the girl getting it on with Freddie on the Funkomatic is from my county in Ireland. Probably only a 20, 25 minute drive in difference. She's had a few credits over the last few years after moving to L.A. Nice to have another Irish pal on the show. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff from the postman. Um, everyone is encouraged to send in your thoughts, send in your questions, um, and we will read it. We, What's we the postman email address of? It is curbpostman at gmail.com. Okay. Well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. <laughs> well, so what's our cumulative rating then? Oh, right. We have from the audience a score of 3.28. You gave it a 3.5. I gave it a 3.5. That takes it all the way up 
to a 3.43, which ranks it as the 52nd overall episode in the history of the show. So uh, top half, top half, baby. Yeah, and that's, uh, I, I had it 44, so just about the same area. That's pretty good. Pretty good? Yep. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. <laughs> All right, well, next week, why don't we watch the trailer and see what we get next week uh, for an episode that's called Disgruntled. Much worse than being gruntled. The best thing you've ever done in your life. You think so? Yeah, I do. Right. Have I done any other good thing? No. This is the only one? This is the only decent thing I've ever done every time. Does your husband have a very low-hanging scrotal sack? Can I just say? No, you can't it, just say. I hear them slapping get, on his thighs. It sounds like, you know. Get the hell out of here. Flip-flop at a Mexican resort. Just yeah, nonsense. just like <clears throat> This is nonsense. One person did call you an asshole. It's a universal fact that everybody is called an asshole. I'm sure Mother Teresa was called an asshole. But somebody <laughs> must have said, oh, she's so good, she's so good. What an asshole. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> All right, so we got three scenes there. The first one, Jeff does the first good thing in his life. You want to speculate what that could be? No, I can't imagine Jeff doing something good. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm completely bewildered. Yep. And then the second one is now we've previously confirmed that Larry is long ball Larry, right? Yes, we did have that previously. Very yeah, good. Yeah. So, so Leon called him long ball Larry uh, when the doctor talked about the twisted. Uh, he's got the underwear he's wearing. Or the ro- so we know he has long balls. Mr. Takahashi has seen the long balls. And so uh, now um, Irma is sharing news about the long balls with some woman who we will have to discover who she is. And then in the final scene, that's not Willie Geist, who we saw on Morning is- Joe a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it is Willie Geist. It is Willie Geist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it kind of looks like him. All right, so so he's making a he was a he was appearing on TV talking about Larry, and now Larry's gonna get to meet him in person, and um, they're gonna discuss whether or not Larry's an asshole, whether everyone's an asshole. I don't know. We we certainly like to appoint people as fucking assholes on this episode, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And disgruntled. I don't know what that means exactly, but I will certainly be gruntled. Can you be gruntled? What's the opposite of disgruntled? I would love to be gruntled. Okay. Well, I'll be gruntled next week to watch an episode which, from that preview, I'm pretty confident will be. Pretty, pretty, pretty.